Well, good morning, church. Hope you're having a great day so far. I know it's just beginning, but uh, we are starting again. We're continuing on in our, uh, our series called Jesus No Other. Again, if you didn't get a scripture journal and you need one right now, if you would raise your hand, we've got some people that will be up, be glad to get you one of those. We, if you need some of those, uh, we've got plenty of those to give out. Again, that is our gift to you for you to be able to take notes in there. Again, it's got it's going to have the, the scripture on one page, blank lines on the other for you to take notes uh, in that because we're going to be in this book for a while and we're going to be going on all the way through this book, going all the way through the Gospel of John, looking and discovering Jesus, the Son of God, God who became flesh. And we looked at last week, as we started out the series, we actually began with the, with, with the end. We began with the end of the book, looking at the main purpose of John's gospel. And we declared and we decided and we saw that there is no other belief other than the belief in Jesus that roots our life in eternal life and rules our lives in everyday life that we live. And that has to be the foundation as we continue on, we had to start there, but now we're going back to the beginning, and we're going to be walking through this. So if you have your scripture journal, it actually is page seven on there. That's another reason I like these. You can actually just give a page number, uh, and you can turn to page seven, although this is the one page that doesn't have a page number, because it's the title page, all right? It's the, it, it's the beginning of the book. So if you, don't, if you don't see a page number, look for where it says, the gospel according to John. But we need to be reminded as we're looking at and our focus as we begin this journey, we desire that we as a church would be a people proclaiming Jesus. That we would be known, if anything, if nothing else, that our church would be known as a church that proclaims Jesus Christ. Wherever we're at, no matter who we're with, no matter what time it is, proclaiming Jesus to anyone, any day, any time. That's is, that is what we desire to be known for. We want to we be a church that makes disciples by proclaiming Jesus in different areas, such as discipleship, community, worship, service, missions. But in order for us to do that, what we have to come to is we have to reintroduce ourselves, I believe, to a degree, to the person in which we're proclaiming. We have to fall back in love. We go back to Revelation when we looked at the churches in Revelation. What was the command to one of the churches that many would say, be like that church, the church in Ephesus? Because they were doing good things. They were working, fighting the good fight. They were continuing in faith. But what, they, what had they done? They had left their first love. And our desire as we walk through the Gospel of John is that we would come back to a picture and to a, a, an accurate understanding of who this Jesus is that we're called to proclaim. And so today we begin looking at the events John is talking about when he said in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, these things are written so that you may believe. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. What is it that we are to believe? We're to believe in Jesus. And John says, let's go back now to the beginning. 
Look at John chapter 1. We're going to read the passage we're looking at this morning, then we'll, we'll dive in and, and, and see the truth that God has for us this morning. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and, cry, and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. Father, I pray that you would give us insight, you would give us discernment, your spirit would awaken our hearts to hear the truth of your word. God, it is a life-changing truth. It is a truth that gives hope, that gives a calling, that gives grace. God, may we trust in the word which we hear today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The takeaway this morning as we dive into this passage is this. Our belief must be centered on Jesus being the word becoming flesh. As we dive in and be, we begin this study, we begin this understanding of the series, unpacking this scripture, we have to come to the understanding that we are called to believe. We are called to believe in something. That's why John wrote the book, was it not? That's what he said in John chapter 20. And he says, that you may believe, you may have life. So if our belief is what leads to life, then we have to know what is it that we really believe. And John starts out in this prologue, in this beginning passage, in this, in this introduction to his gospel, he declares one of the primary and central truths that we have to understand, that we have to believe and actively trust in. Remember, that's the whole point of belief. It's not a knowledge, but it is an active trust. What is it that we're trusting in? Well, we are trusting that Jesus is the Word becoming flesh. That Jesus Christ is God who came to be among men. 
that Jesus Christ is the only one who came out of the tree, stepped out of heaven, stepped out of what, what he was known as as equal with God to become flesh, to walk, to live, and ultimately to die. The death that we were meant to die. And we have to center everything that we trust in around this truth. Why is that? Well, a couple of things I want us to see that I want to unpack for us in this. Why is it that our belief must be centered on Jesus being the Word becoming flesh? Well, first off, we need to understand that no other Word declares hope and meaning into creation. No other word declares hope and meaning into creation. If our belief is centered on Jesus being the word becoming flesh, why is it so important? Because we believe that no other word declares hope and meaning into creation. Look at verse 1 again through verse 4. He says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I love that phrasing. He just really, I think John kind of phrased that a little bit, just makes us go, wait, what? Have you ever done that? He gets a little confused there. We'll unpack it a little bit there. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. No other word declares hope and meaning into creation. Everyone loves a good story, right? Everyone loves, especially a good, a good love story, right? Everyone loves a good story. And the thing that, one of the things that makes a story so good is the beginning of it, right? It kind of sets the stage. Like if you go, if you were to go and ask, like if you were to go and ask your grandparents, hey, Grandma, Grandpa, can you tell us the story of how you met? Can you tell us the story of how you how you fell in love? They're not going to start in. Well, we've been married. Well, we had been married for about thirteen years, and that's when we fell in love. Right? That's not. If that's the beginning of their love story. Yikes. Uh, you know, but, but so everyone's, everything's got to have a good beginning. Mom and Dad, tell us about your first date. Well, let me tell you, he just doesn't take me on dates anymore right now, right? Okay, I'm going to back up. Mom, sorry, I didn't mean to start. Right? Everything has to have a, a good beginning, a solid understanding. And with John's in purpose in mind, he knows that he has to make sure that he lays a solid foundation for us. He has to lay this foundation that helps us understand so that we can believe and have life in his name. And I love where John, where John starts because John doesn't go back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. John doesn't go back to the beginning of Jesus' life on this earth. He doesn't go back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry like Mark. He doesn't go back to the beginning of Jesus' life with, like Matthew and Luke. He goes all the way back to the beginning. He says, look at the first three words of the book, in the beginning. In the beginning. He says, that if, if we want to understand this story, if we want to know what this looks like, we've got to go all the way back beyond, before even Jesus, before even this person that we call Jesus, who is the Christ, before we look into how he lived on this earth, we've got to go back and understand why he came to this earth and how he came to this earth. And we, to do that, he says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, you have to catch what John is doing here. 
I guarantee you, especially for the Jewish believers or the Jewish uh, audience that he was speaking to, as soon as he said, in the beginning, their minds began to go back to another familiar passage that was in Scripture. Their mind goes back to Genesis 1-1, where it says, in the beginning, God. Understand what's happening here because John declaring in the beginning was the word, he echoes the very foundation which was the foundation of Judaism at that time that said in the beginning God created. He says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Catch what he says on this, because this is key for us to understand. What Genesis chapter 1 says, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The Hebrew words there are Bereshit bara Elohim. Everyone say that with me. Bereshith. Well, here, one more time here. Bereshith. Bara. Elohim. Look at y'all. Y'all just spoke Hebrew. Way to go. Good job. Look at that. Those are the first three words of the Hebrew Bible. And in those three words, which we translate five words, in the beginning, God created, sets the stage for everything that they would believe from that point forward. And that is exactly what John is doing. He is setting the stage that from this point forward, know who this word really is. He is the word who was with God and who was God. John wants to go back and get even more core. You, you, you go to Genesis and you see that there's a story being told. There it says, in the beginning God created. And he goes, right, he goes into what was happening there. But John says, no, we need to go even more core and more foundational, more basic even than Genesis. And says that creation started with the word. In the beginning was not just creation, but in the beginning was God. Why is it so important for us to center our beliefs around the truth that Jesus is God becoming flesh, that Jesus is the Word who became flesh? Because that is where we find hope and meaning in this creation. It's the same as, as, as Genesis speaks and it declares how God created these things. John is saying the same thing, that this God that we know created all things, he wasn't just the God over heaven and earth, he was the God and who was the Word who spoke these things into being. You ever heard the saying, words have power? Any of us ever speak something into existence? That's what Genesis says. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the faces of the water. And God said, right there, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Creation started with a word. And the new creation, which is found only in Jesus, begins with the word becoming flesh. No other word declares hope and meaning into creation. 
Look at verse 3 of John. He says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. What he's saying is ultimately, without Jesus, there wouldn't be any of this creation. Without Jesus, there wouldn't be any of this. There wouldn't be this book. Because you know why? Because there wouldn't be this person. Because there wouldn't be this earth. There wouldn't be this creation. And he says, creation was brought forth by speaking. That that Hebrew word bara. That's the Hebrew word that we translate create. Understand this. Know this. That 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 word is only attributed to God Himself. When it talks about us creating things, it uses the word asa, which means to make and to form. We never create. We can make, we can invent, we can discover, but we never create out of nothing. No other word gives us hope and meaning. into speaks hope and meaning into creation besides Jesus, the Word becoming flesh. Jesus, the Word who was with God and who was God, who all things were made through Him. And oh, by the way, it wasn't just it wasn't just the creation; it was also the design. Look at verse four. It says, "In Him, in Him." Catch that? Because I thought, wait, I thought we were talking about a word here. No, He gives the declarative, and He gives definite article that this word is a person in him was life verse 4 and the life was the light of men see there not only is a creation that is being spoken here there is not only just a, a declaration of creation there is a meaning and a purpose that gives us hope when he says that he created all things and that in him was life and that life was the light of men that light was the hope in which we seek now that light was the security and everything needed for this life he gives purpose and meaning in fact he goes you can go back and look at Genesis 1 and we see the same comparison here. Look at Genesis 1 chapter chapter 1 verse 26. It says then God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. John echoes Genesis accounts in that the only word that tells of creation and with, with such hope and meaning is the word of God as he spoke and he declared a creation that was above other creations. A creation that would bear his image. That would see and shine the same light and life that is found in him and in him alone. He says, we, make, we will make, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You see, creation and design point back to God and set man as God's greatest creation. And John is saying that that greatness in that creation is only found because it was spoken by the word of God who became flesh. There's no other word that gives hope and meaning, that declares hope and meaning into creation. If this is true, guess what? You're not an accident. You're not a random act. 
If this is true, you have purpose and you have been given meaning. No other religion, no other belief, no other word declares such hope and meaning. But the second thing, why, why is it so important and so vital that we center everything around this understanding of Jesus? Well, the second thing is this. Not only is there no other word that declares hope and meaning into creation, we need to understand that there is no other word that offers salvation from sin. There is no other word that offers salvation from sin. How do we see that here in this prologue, in John's prologue? Well, look at verse 5. It says, the light shines into what? The darkness. Everybody say darkness. That understanding right there shows us and communicates the grand narrative of Scripture. God created. He created all things. He created us. He created us for a purpose. And guess what? We fell. We walked away. The light shines into the darkness. You see, the darkness is real. The truth about the darkness is that it is real and it so often feels overwhelming. I said earlier that for some of us, this time of year, this season may not be so joyous. It may be painful. And that is because of the reality that darkness is real. Sin has broken this world. Sin has crept in and caused brokenness and fractured this creation that God spoke hope and meaning into. It says, in, it says that, that the, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Understand what he's saying there also that you can actually translate that. He has, the darkness has not overcome it nor has it understood it. See, the darkness twists, distorts, breaks not only how we interact with others, but it breaks our very view and understanding of who God is. No longer is God creator of all things, now we are. No longer is God the one in control, we're in control. Anybody ever thought that they were in control just to find out how much is messed up now? It's a little painful, isn't it? But we think for some reason we keep coming back to this idea that, that there is, maybe we can do it, maybe we are right, maybe if we just get this back, maybe we do a little bit better, maybe if we will just correct this or correct that, then we will get it. But we need to understand that the only way that the darkness is dispelled is by the light. And the only light that there is that will give us the power to dispel the darkness is found in Jesus Christ. You cannot do it on your own. You will fail every time. Trust me, I know. I've tried. We've all tried. We may be here, some of you may be here today, and you're trying right in the midst of this life right now. Can I just encourage you? You can't do it. Well, gee, thanks, Pastor Henry. Now, let that be encouraging because there is one person who can and his name is Jesus, and he is the only word, no other word, offers a hope, not just in creation, but a hope in our salvation. 
As God spoke light into the pre-creation void, Jesus speaks light into the darkness of our sin. Warren Wiersbe says the coming of Jesus into the world was a dawning of a new day for sinful man. Why is that? Because up until this point, they had been doing it on their own. They had been trying their best. They had the law, but guess what? The law was not meant for us to be able to save ourselves. The law was meant for us to see how much we fall short. We don't have to worry about the law as long as we're following it, right? But you drive by a state trooper on the interstate, all of a sudden we're reminded of the law, right? I make sure and I look, is it Jefferson County and does he have a canine unit on it? I know I think I can talk my way out of it if it's, if it's that car, right? One of our elders would surely not write their, their, their teaching pastor a ticket, right? No, yeah, see, look over there, all right. Anyway, we, we need to understand the law was not meant to save us. The law was given so we could see that we need a light outside of us. This is the message that we're proclaiming. Look at verse 6 and continuing for, through, through verse 8. It says, there was a man sent from God who, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light and that all, that all might believe through him. He was not the light. Look, that's the thing. Catch that. John was not the light. There is no other man that's meant to be the light. Can I, can I just remind us, even what I shared when I shared my vision for this church, I am not the Savior of this church. Our elders are not the saviors of this church. There is only one man that we need to be looking to for hope, and, that is, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he says, John says, he was not the light. Talking about John the Baptist, who we'll look at next week, he says, but came to bear witness about the light. John was nothing more than a witness. And understand what a witness does. A witness doesn't determine the story. A witness doesn't determine truth. A witness simply declares truth. If the witness gets the story wrong, it doesn't change the truth of the story. He just didn't tell it accurately, right? And so when John says, look, he wasn't coming to speak a new truth. He wasn't coming to declare anything different other than the fact that they needed someone, the fact that they needed someone to bear witness about the light proves the darkness they were in because they couldn't even see it for themselves. And so often, sometimes we need someone to bear witness into our lives, don't we? That says, hey, there's a light for the darkness. But John was not the light. He was the witness of the light. The true light, look at verse 9, the true light. And I would, I would encourage you, as, as you've got your scripture journal there, I would encourage you to circle that word light. It's going to be a recurring theme. It's going to be a common theme, that we're another one of those recurring themes that we see in, in throughout, the, throughout this gospel. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. It did not understand him, going back to, that, to verse 5, that though darkness did, has not overcome it or has not understood it, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But, I love that word. I love it when we see it in Scripture, because that means there's a change getting ready. Something's getting ready to change. It says, but to all who did receive him, to all who did receive, who believed in 
his name. He gave the right to become children of God. The only action one can take to receive life is belief in the word becoming flesh. Why? Because there's no other word that offers salvation from sin. Dwelling among us, the word becoming flesh, dwelling among us and dying for us. And how does that come about? Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man. You know what he's saying? He's saying that salvation, is. this is a declaration, this salvation offered by the Word becoming flesh is nothing but a, a declaration and a salvation that comes only by the grace and the mercy of God through faith, trusting in Him, believing in His name. It doesn't matter what your heritage is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how good you've been or how bad you've been. It doesn't matter any of those facts. The only thing that matters is that Jesus Christ came on this earth to die and take our place. And that when we believe and when we trust in him, he grants us life. By faith alone, through grace alone. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's not of our own doing. If it was left up to us, guess what? We'd still be at the scales. We'd be still be looking at the balance going, okay, how much good have I done? How much bad have I done, right? Ever, ever done that in your mind? Ever tried to balance the scales and say, well, I've been pretty good this week, right? And really, if we were to be honest, we don't try to do that so that we can get to heaven. We really want to make sure we just got enough good to justify the bad that we really want to do, right? We really just sit there and go, okay, you know what, I, I, really, I really have this desire on this, but, but I'm really struggling with it, you know, so maybe I need to do an extra. No, the reality is, is we cannot do it on our own. I heard one pastor say one time, we don't like being told what to do. But the reality is, is we hate even more being told that there's nothing we can do. Because then it's not in our hands. But belief in the word becoming flesh is the only offer of salvation. Trusting that it's not of us, it's totally of him. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We believe, our belief is centered around the truth that Jesus is the Word becoming flesh. Because no other word offers salvation. Lastly, we need to understand, no other word urges grace and truth in our lives today. There is no other word that offers and urges Grace and truth in your life right now. How do we know this? Look at verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. 
He says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, the, so here's, where we, here, here's where we see this Word becoming flesh. Here's where we make the transition from the eternal Word dwelling in heaven with the Trinity, which is Jesus Christ that now comes into creation and steps out of heaven into creation and walks among us. In fact, the Greek word there, if you were to, if you were to go back and look, it says that, that Jesus, that this word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Meaning that it dwelt, it, it resided within us. And we go back to the understanding of the tabernacle in the Old Testament, which was the dwelling place of God. It was in the center of the camp where people could go and commune and commute with God there, where they would have that relationship. They would go and, 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 and live out the law as best they could. But it says that the tabernacle is now no longer in a tent, but in a person. That God stepped in to creation. He kept what he already had and took on what he was not. 100% fully God, 100% fully man. Fully God so that he was the only one that would be able to pay the sacrifice and satisfy the needs and the requirements for salvation. Fully man so that he could, so that he could sympathize with us and walk among us and see and understand and then offer the same life that he lived while on this earth. Full of grace and truth. Now I don't know about y'all, but there's, I, I struggle being full of both, Right? I struggle having full grace and full truth. We struggle with that because we, we, we're, we're going we're to err one side or the other. We're going to go, okay, I'm going to err on the side of grace or I'm going to err on the side of truth. The reality is, is we need both 100%. And Jesus is the only one that makes that possible. Why? Because he was full of grace and truth. And John bearing witness of it, and again, just re, he, he's reinforcing Jesus' deity in verse 16. It, John says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Can I just encourage you, underline that, circle that, write that out, whatever you need to do. Because there is no greater hope declared than the truth of what we just read. That in the fullness of God, there is grace upon grace. There is grace upon grace. For, from the, law was given, for the law was given through Moses, verse 17. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the greater Moses. Moses brought the tabernacle. Jesus became the tabernacle. Moses brought the law, the standard of right and wrong. Jesus overcame the wrong for us and lived the right that we could not live. The law was never meant, again, for us to have salvation. That's why we needed grace. If the law was enough, there was no point, there was no reason for Jesus to come. We could just look at each other and say, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and let's go. Come on, do better. You got this. No, we had to have something outside of us. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, 
It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do what I for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Here's what Paul is saying. He said, oh, we know that the law is spiritual. We know that it was given by God, but we know that we struggle keeping that law. We struggle following that law, but we also understand that when we break that law, there's consequences that come with that, and it reminds us, okay, this was probably a good idea if I had just followed this, right? He says, we know that the law is good. So, that, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what keep, I keep on doing. Now... If I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Here's what, here's what Paul's saying up to this point. He's saying, look, there are desires within us, even as Christians, which I believe Paul is writing as a believer here. He is saying, even as Christians, we struggle keeping the law. Why? Because we were never meant to keep the law perfectly. Wait a minute, hang on. Are you saying we don't have to do what the law says? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we are called to keep it, but guess what? We never could on our own. We were never going to be good enough. If I just burst your bubble, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be good enough to get into heaven. There's nothing good that you could do to outweigh the bad, the sin that dwells within us that has been pointed out by the law. He says, for I delight in the law of God, verse 22, in my, in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And this is where Paul declares one of the most, one of the most well-known verses that he declares. He says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That's the cry of the law. It's the cry of the Old Testament saying, who is going to deliver us? We cannot keep it on our own. We will never do it but in and of ourselves. We need something more. We need a Savior. And then Paul says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why do we need the coming of the Word becoming flesh for us now? Because the coming of the Word becoming flesh for us now means that there is grace upon grace for our lives so that it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives within us and we can now walk in obedience and in freedom with Jesus and His Word. Amen? That is what we trust in. There is no other word that gives us and urges grace and truth in our lives today. Grace upon grace for when we fall short of the truth, but reminding us that the truth is there, and that is the calling for us to live, for us to live differently among this world. Why? Because the darkness doesn't understand it, and they need a light. Jesus stepped in to bring the light, and now he grants it to us to go and to shine the light today. He says, here is God revealed. Now you go and do likewise. 
Randy Alcorn says, Grace gave what truth demanded, the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And that is exactly what Jesus came to do. It says, The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law reveals us. Jesus reveals God and invites us back to Him. Only through the Word of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What does this mean for us? It means that the Christian life, those of us that claim to follow Jesus, it begins with no other word but Jesus. Our lives, our days, our actions should begin with no other word but Jesus. It should begin with no other heartbeat other than the fact, does this proclaim Jesus? Does this proclaim life? Does this shine light? We center everything around the hope and the trust and the truth of Jesus found here in the beginning. We saw creation, we saw the fall, and we see the redemption of man right now. This is the message we proclaim. We, are in, we were in the darkness, Jesus shined the light, so now we go and shine the light to others. There's two responses that we can have. We either reject the grace and truth and we keep trying to do it on our own. As you've heard the message of, the, of grace and truth through Jesus, you either reject that and you keep trying to do it on your own. Can I just tell you, you will not do it on your own. But if we will receive it, he says, for those who believed in his name, who received the light, they were called the sons of God. Augustine says, says this, Augustine of Hippo says this, The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. And that is the invitation we offer to you this morning. Would you come and trust in the grace of God? Would you receive grace and truth? Would you, would you open your eyes to the light that is the light of the world that is the life found only in Jesus. For those of us who are Christians, those of us who are followers, who have believed in His name, we need to be reminded that we have grace upon grace. We need to, be, we need to remember that there is grace greater than anything we could face. This is an amazing grace. Amazing grace marvelous unending grace it says look you don't have to do it on your own I've already done it come and follow me it doesn't mean that we're it doesn't mean that we're not we're, we don't try it doesn't mean that we don't put forth effort on it no Jesus has set us free so that we can be free indeed so that we can live this life for him but this morning my call is simply that we would remember and remind ourselves that there is grace needed and that there is grace offered through Jesus Christ. Would you receive his grace today? I'm not just talking about those that don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you will not do it on your own. And you, the only way, the only word that offers salvation, the only message that gives hope for today is found in Jesus Christ. Repent of our, your sins and trust in him now. But for all of us, don't think we're outside of the need for grace. 
we may just need to simply remind ourselves right now, right where you're at. We're going to pray, and again, we're going we're to conclude our time singing this chorus that we, that we know all too well. I pray that the message and the truth of God's grace in our lives reminds us, and it's refreshed within us. If you need counsel, if you need to talk, if, you, if, you, if you're not sure, do I have this relationship? Have I experienced this grace? Do I have this salvation found only in Jesus? Come talk to me. If you're struggling walking in grace and truth right now, even as a believer, come talk to me. Let me pray for you. Let one of our elders pray over you. I'll be glad to walk with you in this because we all need grace. Father God, we pray that your grace would abound. God, that we would see the freedom found in grace and truth that only comes through Jesus Christ. No other word other than the word becoming flesh. Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, grants us hope, grants us meaning, grants us grace, grants us truth, grants us salvation. So God, I pray that your people here, God, for those that have have never trusted in you, that have not put their hope, that have not received the grace found in you, that 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 would be true today, that they would receive that, that they would see their need, that your light would shine into the darkness of our hearts and reveal and expose whatever needs to be exposed. For those of us that have trusted in you, but God, there's, there's sin, there's, there's fear, there's struggles, there's battles waging war within us. God, can we just come and acknowledge our need once again for your grace? And according to your word, it is offered abundant, far beyond we could imagine. Grace upon grace. Pour out your grace this morning. We love you. We bless you. Jesus' name.